Tim and Tom. All right, Tom, so did you spend your Memorial Day weekend installing flooring in your home like I did? That's a pretty traditional Memorial Day weekend, right? Is it? Yeah. It's, you didn't do that? No. I thought no, everybody I was doing that. I thought all the cool kids were doing that. Tom, I mean, all the all the lame cool kids are definitely doing that. Tom, yes. I well, okay, so we have uh, five dogs at Casa de uh, Awesome as I like to call it. Um, I don't call it that. Uh, at the ranch out here, we got five dogs and, um, they, uh, you know, the carpets were really old and smelly to begin with. And, uh, you know, when we bought the home shortly over a year ago and, you know, the dogs have, have treated that as they would. And so now we were like, you know what? It's time to hard floor this place. And, uh, they're having great sales at Nebraska furniture mart plug for them. They should uh, give us some money. <laughs> Right. So um, we went and bought some, and then we saw the bill on what it would take to install the whole main level of this flooring. We were like, nope, because, uh, you know, that was about the same price as another major purchase we would like to make. So we were like, you know, we'll do this ourselves. It's this easy. Click, lay down vinyl plank flooring. I don't know if you've seen this stuff in the in the home stores. I don't know if you've been flooring shopping ever. Yeah, see, Tom? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Fun fact about me, uh, outdoors and DIY projects are not my bread and butter. Yeah, well, there you so go. I'm glad you all said of that, that stuff, yeah, none yeah. Of, nothing for me there. I am not a handyman, Tom. I'm really not. And I have, you know, I, I understand my wife uh, is amazing uh, handling money and, and she is a real, uh, got a great get it done spirit. And thinks we have uh, all the best abilities in the world. And, of course, you know, uh, I love anybody who thinks that I can do anything. But I don't know that I can do this, Tom. And uh, we run into this a lot. And we'll get into, you know, arguments. You know, you know, married folks have arguments. And I, and this one was no better. It just wasn't, you know, they, they show all these videos. They're like, right, this just lays down just like this. And you just click it right in here nope. and everything's wonderful and amazing. And you just take a little knife and you cut it right here and you just break it apart, right? None of that. None of it. And I have a bit of a short temper anyways. Any fans who've listened to this show probably figured that out. So, you know, I yell at soccer moms and 17-year-old boys that are refereeing soccer games. So, I'm just I'm like... glad I, you clarified that at the end. So, I'm like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what? why I was yelling at the kid. Yeah, so, uh, I was just like, 15 years. 15 years we've been married. And I've been trying to tell you, I just don't have the brain for this, right? Like, that's why those people do what they do. And that's why they get paid for it. Because they know what they're doing. And I don't. I do other things. I'm like, I don't know why we're sitting here doing this. And so, we finally watch another video where a guy's like, I bet you've watched a bunch of videos that say it's just super easy and just lay it down, huh? And, and like, it really makes you really angry, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> he's like, here's what I figured out, right? And he like started breaking it down and was like, simple things. He's like, you got to get through the first five rows. The first five rows suck and you're going to want to throw everything out the window. But you just got to keep moving on because it gets better. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to believe you, right? So we're in the middle of that, right? We're, we're getting that on. Everything's figured itself out, right? So, except we bought a saw, right? Because you got to have a long table saw to make these long cuts. I don't know if you're supposed to, but that's what we're doing. And, uh, of course, putting it together, it's record high temperatures over Memorial Day weekend. I'm out in the garage putting a saw together for a couple hours, and I break it while I'm putting it together. Because I'm not a handyman, Tom. <laughs> so, now I have an inoperable saw while I'm waiting for the replacement part because I suck 
at like that stuff, right? I'm, I I shouldn't own a home, but I do. So that was my Memorial Day weekend. Frustration, although, you know, those always do give you some sort of, as you're moving along, you're like, all right, we're getting somewhere, you know, making it look better and yada, yada, yada. Ah, Tom. I really wish that video you were referencing just ended with, doesn't it make you mad? And then just that's it. <laughs> just like me too. Well, the guy was like, he was like, well, he's like, so they tell you these things. Like, it's it's literally a plank of vinyl, and it's made to look like wood, right? And it, it's got grooves that you just click into the next one, and then you have to kind of tap it together, right? It's a fairly easy thing, right? They're like, once you clean your floor and you're done with the floor, you literally just lay it down, right? No other stuff. You don't got to glue. You don't got to nail. You don't got anything. The problem is when you got to cut them to length or size or weird shapes to fit around your walls, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, just take your little box cutter right here and just make this quick, easy cut right here, and it just snaps apart, no, not even close, right? You make a little cut. First of all, it's not straight, and it just that doesn't do anything. The thing's, like, thick, and you're like, okay. So, yeah, that's where the guy was just like, he's like, well, I bet you they told you to do this, right? And he did that, and he's like, well, that's stupid. I don't know why they told you to do that. Like, he was just, like, as frustrated as me, and I was like, all right, finally, someone's speaking my language, right? <laughs> finally, somebody that's angry <laughs> to give me some instructions. <laughs> finally, someone who has high blood pressure like me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So happy Memorial Day, everybody. <laughs> Tim and Tom. One thing that I did that was a DIY project is my dad came over because he has all the tools in the world. Uh, I installed a railing in front of my house. There's like two set of stairs. There's one set of stairs that uh, goes onto like our front porch yep. that already had a railing. Then there's like three stairs in front of that that gets you to like you know. I guess our property, right, if you want to. You're on a bit of a that. hill on the right. On the, so on there's the two here. set of stairs. One set of stair already had uh, a railing. The other railing wasn't installed, and it was just sitting there for ever and ever. And finally, I was like, "Dad, come over!" And so we installed the rail. It wasn't that bad. It's still a little loose, and he has to bring another tool over to like get the uh, nail down more into the concrete. Yada yada yada. But there wasn't anything that difficult. It just took a little bit longer right. than it should and it's still a little loose so we got to do that so that was my diy project uh but the other thing i did is i worked my first ever mma slash boxing event at a baseball stadium so i was at the t-bone stadium uh worked for a promoter uh john carden uh it was carden combat sports it was so mismanaged oh my god i walked in to you can you can bleep this out later i walked into a show like this was like the athletic commissioner was like hey uh you're gonna be in charge tonight i was like say again he's like you're gonna be in complete charge tonight i was like quadruple the pay yeah that's what i was saying i was like okay well like all right let's let's handle it let's do it tim there were guys showing up because it was a blended event of sure. boxing and mixed martial arts they didn't know which one they were doing <laughs> yeah because they did both yeah they were like am yeah. i boxing or am i uh uh doing mma and i was like i don't know what and they were all pros that was the thing that blew my mind i almost would have got it if it was all amateurs because amateur a lot for you know uh peeking behind the curtain a lot of it is just uh spoken word agreements right you just give your word i'm gonna show up right. i'll show up that's it right because unfortunately in the state of Missouri and the state of Kansas, uh, you don't get paid as an amateur to fight. You can get paid to sing the national anthem, but God forbid you get paid to actually fight as an amateur, whatever. 
But anyhow, these were all pros. It was all pros. And yeah, guys were like, uh, I thought I was boxing, but I could be cage fighting. I was like, what contract did you sign, yeah. man? What did you sign? <laughs> man, it took me an hour and a half just to get everything finalized. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was the biggest, that. this was the biggest headache I've ever had. I've, I've seen these guys though. You've got me behind the curtain there a couple times to, to do some announcing and yeah, I would have to talk to some of these guys and it, they didn't know their own name or, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like they would have to yeah, tell again, me two different names. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, I, I get it as an amateur, right? Cause as an amateur, there's bright lights. There's a, especially at a T-bone stadium, there's a ton of seats, you know, before the events, uh, starts, you know, you might think that all these seats will be filled. <laughs> you're having exam anxiety, you know, yeah. when you're, they're saying, what's your hometown? All you're thinking about is just not getting punched in the face. I get that. But as a pro, if you don't know what you're doing, when you show up, what is going on? Yeah. Is this not oh, your job? It was, yeah. It, it just, yeah. And so they're asking me, it took me an hour and a half just to get this straight. Like I was like, okay, there was 18 fights. So what's 18 Gosh. times two? 36. Yeah. Is that right? 36 yeah. people. Yeah. 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 And then they were all, so think of 36 people plus two to three corner men for each fighter. Mm. They were all stuck because of this promoter all stuck in the visitor's locker room up above the, the outfield. So I had to walk them from that spot, all of them together, all the way down to home field. On average, I get about six to 7,000 steps without a run, right? I do a right. run, you know, and then that gets me over 10,000 steps. But just on average, just walking around in my daily life, I get about 6,000 to 7,000 steps. This event, I showed up because I knew I was going to walk – a good amount, but I wasn't for sure. But I knew I was going to walk a good amount. I showed up with 1,200 steps. I was like, I'm just going to rest my feet, not get too crazy. Right. I ended up with 46,000 steps by Ooh, the end of the night. 46,000 steps. Yeah. Tom, did you buy I, new shoes after this event? Because you probably wore out the steps of them. Yeah, I should have. I think 5,000 steps is a mile. So you do the math for oh, how many miles. Oh, man. The one, Had the you ever one done an event at T-Bones? Did you know that way around, too? Like, or were you? No, oh. absolutely not. I had to learn all that on the fly, too. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, one of my de facto <laughs> responsibilities is you come talk to me first or the, the promoter, right? So, like, okay. you come see me. And then I'll get to the promoter and get your question answered because we don't want that. I'll get your check. Don't worry. Well, yeah, but I just don't want that relationship, right? Because if your opponent seeing you talk to a promoter, you might think something's fishy. So just talk to me. Everyone talks to me, right? And the promoter's busy. Yeah, he's trying to get people seated in the right seats, all of that stuff. There's there's other stuff that I don't handle primarily, but I will. But that's typically a promoter's uh, job there. But I will say this. The cool thing was the main event – was Kenzie Morrison. And if you're an old school boxing fan of specifically Kansas City boxing, you'll remember his father, Tommy Morrison. Tommy. And it was, yeah, it was his son. Looked exactly like him. I mean, really? haircuts the same, uh, kind of the same posture. He boxes the same. He won with 46 second knockout, which was crazy because boxing typically doesn't have those quick knockouts. Uh, he's undefeated, super nice guy. He was a pro the entire time. He knew what he was doing when he showed up. Uh, yeah, couldn't say any more higher compliments to, to Kenzie Morrison than, than 
than that just because, you know, I'd be here for days talking about it. But he was a pro. He was great. Super nice guy. Of course, there were, you know, 35 to 50 year olds all coming up to him saying, I knew your dad. I tell you what, he had the best jab on Kansas City. I used to watch him when he fought Foreman and all that, you know, and I, God, I couldn't handle that. Like my job was hard being him in a boxing yeah. crowd. Uh, God, it, I felt sad for him even after my 46,000 steps. Uh, but yeah, I did that. And that was a uh, Saturday night. And then Monday, uh, I ran a 5k. Yeah. Okay. That was cool. All of it, it was my, all of it. All yeah, of it. It, was, it was the second all time I've done it. all five Ks. Okay. Did them all. all Not right. three of them. Did five. Were any of them backwards? Um, actually, I did run a little bit backwards, and I'll explain why. Okay. Um, so uh, it was the formerly known as the Amy Thompson run. Unfortunately, can't remember what it's called now. It's for a brain injury. I mentioned it on the events last week is uh, you should do that. And you should have. Uh, it goes to a great uh, foundation. But I ran it for the second year in a row. This year, however, uh, I was going to run it by myself. Emily was like, ah, I don't want to run it. It's too hot. And I was like, totally makes sense. It's really very hot. Record outside. high temperatures. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't do it if you don't want to, right? So I was like, I'll just run it by myself. So I'm walking down, me and her. She came to support me because I was like, after this run, I'm probably not going to want to drive. And she's like, oh, no, totally makes sense. So uh, she came with me. We're walking down to get myself uh, my number and all that, you know, the chip yep. that mm-hmm. has your time. And a guy goes, hey. And I go, hey, guy I grew up with since like seventh grade. Really? I've known this guy. His name's Kirk Moore. Great guy fantastic guy he's in the air force right okay big he's a bigger dude like he's in the the thousand yeah he was he was in the thousand pound uh weightlifting club which means you total of a deadlift and a bench press and all this stuff you you equal a thousand pounds which is impressive yeah 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 Yeah. he's like he's like hey you running this 5k i was like yeah he's like we should run this 5k together i'm just handing out waters well no i didn't know because he uh he has a girlfriend i didn't clarify if it was girlfriend or not but she was running the 10k so i was like doing maybe he's doing what emily's doing multiple lengths right that's right right yeah so maybe he was just supporting her like emily's supporting me you know but anyhow he was like no i'm running the 5k i was like cool me too and he's like yeah we should run together and instantly my competitive nature took over and i was like he's not beating me (laughs) of course not not." and we're not running together i'm going to lap this guy (laughs) and so (laughs) So we're talking, we're catching up. Like, like whatever like fats, said, I'm burning you. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I've, uh, I've known this guy since seventh grade. Uh, fantastic guy. Can't say, I mean, he's another guy, just fantastic person. Uh, he's out there in Whiteman and Warrensburg or Sedalia, whatever yep. that is, yep. uh, stationed out there. Just got back from Afghanistan for a tour doing whatever it was. Um, so fantastic guy. But so we start. And uh, we're just jogging, you know. And I'm like, just I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go a little faster, right? Uh, and then, and then I was like, then we got separated. And so I started looking for him, and that's when I was, I kind of ran backwards a little bit because I was like, I don't think he passed me. Yeah. And I was like, looking, I was looking. The Air Force guy didn't pass me. Right. And I was like, all right, he didn't pass me. But and so I'm, I'm like jogging backwards, you know, and I'm looking for him, and I was like. Oh man, did he pass me? And I was like, he's not beating me. Cause I know he wanted to beat me too. Right. Yeah, Of course. So, so Everybody I wants to beat you. 
of course, look, I got a face that you just want to punch. Um, and so I was like, well, then he's not beating me. And so I took off and I was like, Tim, it was a very shaded course. There was plenty of shade, but the places that were not shaded was so hot. It got to a point where, yeah, it got to a point where I couldn't feel my fingertips when I was running. I was like, ah, this isn't good. And I was like, well, I can stop. And I was like, or you could live with failure for the rest of your life. You're not stopping. And so I was just like, Clapping my hands randomly to make sure I could still feel them. Just, and I ran. I can still feel my tongue. I can still feel my tongue. Yeah. And I was ran, running. Beat him. Beat him by four minutes. Suck it from the back, Kirk. I know you're listening. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Uh, as Air Force guys, we often lost a lot of runs. I, I feel your pain, man. Um, well, that's fun. I glad glad you lived through it. I, I remember hot, humid runs enough to know that I'm never doing one on purpose again. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I'm really glad you were able to do at least a little bit of a DIY project. Uh, you didn't have the frustration. Uh, you had more patience than I did, which apparently is the key to successfully completing well, those. And I had my dad do it. And you had like, your dad do it, right? <laughs> it exactly. was it was very much like an old school dad does the work kid holds a flashlight. It was, yeah, was very he like, much was like, like hand me the hammer. And you're like this thing. And he's like, yeah, that thing. Yep. That was very much like what I was doing, but Hey, I did a little bit too. Tim and Tom. Before we get into uh, the topics from around the world, we need to talk about our guest coming up in the next segment. It's Carrington Harrison of 610 Sports, The Drive, presented by Takate. Tom, we get into the NBA Finals is the reason uh, we initially set up this interview, but I just stick through because we get into so much more about life and and all sorts of fun topics in this interview. Yeah, it's a great one. I get to talk a little bit about battle rap, which, you know, I don't talk to anyone except for my friend Turner about it. So it was fun to get back into that um, little space in my life and nerd out with that. And he totally knew what I was talking about, too. I mean, of course, because he's a rap fan. But like sometimes I bring up names and they're like, ah, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll stop being a nerd. But like he was like, ah, and I was like, yes, this is great. I am. I am. Feeling great about this. Moment. Yes. yes. I would I would have high fived him if we did it in person. But yeah, yeah. if you had Skype, you would have liked Skype five. Tim and Tom. We're a Kansas City podcast. Yeah. And so let's talk about Kansas City news first. Okay. So let's do it. We don't fact check all the time, but I believe ever. Yeah. Ever the time. But we I don't believe- fact check ever the time. Yeah, but I believe this is the first time in Missouri history that a governor has resigned Mm. due to corruption. And what we're talking about, Eric Greitens this week announced that he will resign as governor effective June 1st uh, in connection with um, using a nonprofit illegally and using campaign money basically from that nonprofit, which he shouldn't have. Which, how crazy is this? This is what I want to get into about. Yeah, yeah. Corruption's everywhere, right? Corruption sure. is corruption is corruption yep. is corruption, right? This show's corrupted. Of course. I mean, listen to you. Uh, <laughs> but how insane <laughs> is it? Yeah. How insane is it that Eric Greitens resigns because of 
the mo- the dark money. I always yeah. think that's weird, dark money, but the dark money millionaires that he doesn't want to reveal instead of a very credible accusation that he sexually assaulted and blackmailed a woman. Yeah. Exactly. It's insane. Like think of think about how broken American politics is that you would go, "Ah, eh, he said she said on this. I think I'll fight it." But then on another case, it's like, hey, reveal who's giving you money. Ah, you know what? I got to go, guys. I don't want to die. Uh, so, wanna, yeah. 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 I, think, I think it's better. I think it's best if we just wash our hands of this. I'll just leave. Uh, if yep. you guys could pick up after me, I'll, I'll, I'll just take my things and go. Yeah. Like, how incredible yeah. is that? Well, that's how they are. everybody's picked sides. But I just even, like, was just kind of remarked uh, or just, uh, just taken aback by how this was the most – unremorseful resignation of public office that I think I've ever seen. He was just like, all right, yeah, I guess I got to be out. So, you know, I'm leaving. Yeah. This was, this was as much, this is as much of a, well, gotta go as it was like, I'm sorry for what I did. It was just like, none of that. (laughs) Yeah. It was incredible. He was a guy that was like picked to be like the next for like, the Republican side, mm-hmm. Jason Kander, like he yep. won governor and Jason Kander didn't that win his young conservative. Yeah. He was going to be like the president guy and like the next Missouri, you know, big wig. And he, ah, man, I don't think Ooh. he did one good thing. Dodged a bullet on that one, Missouri. That was a bad dude. Okay. Politics aside, that guy clearly was a bit of a narcissist and just a bad dude. Right. You could just smell on him that like he was a toxic personality. And I don't know how oh, you couldn't man. have figured that out beforehand, but it was pretty evident to anybody beforehand. But, I, you know, hey, whatever, man. Yeah, so he is out effective June 1st. Then the lieutenant governor takes over. Um, and then hey. what's a little bit odd is then there won't be a lieutenant governor, so that position needs to be filled. And from what I've read and heard on uh, our local NPR station is that essentially – so the lieutenant governor will become governor, and then the governor – he will then try to fill that position and then the Democrats will sue him just so that the court can pick who the Lieutenant governor is. How broken are we? We are very broken. Well, so Kansas has a new governor that was a Lieutenant governor because we had our governor resign, but for different reasons, right? Took a position in the, you know, in a national and in the Trump administration. Uh, And so, but this guy's up for reelection right now as or was going to be election uh so now he's kind of gone the other way as it were and gone more moderate moderate more central as because i think it's the hey you don't have to vote democrat in this republican state you know what i mean like we can be chill we don't gotta be these guys right so Mm -hmm. who knows we'll see how that works out and who knows how how missouri's will go but interesting times we live in in this uh, bi-state area that we cover here on tim and tom huh yeah this is definitely some some fluid uh some fluid times in our political system in both uh, missouri and kansas so we'll see how it all shakes out but yeah uh hey, if i can make June a 1st, tim and tom endorsement uh mm-hmm. for Go not ahead. voting for somebody tim and tom endorse not voting for chris kobach right can we say that? Yes. Okay. We know him personally. Okay. <laughs> We've met him plenty of times. 
Tim knows him way more than me. I've met him maybe 10 to 15 times, and each time I felt like washing my hands because of how gross this person was. Do not vote for Chris Kobach. He is a bad person. He's a bad person. <laughs> I love it. Ty, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't vote for Chris Kobach. We'll just say that, yeah? I wouldn't vote for Chris Kobach of your local neighborhood watch. Like he is not good at anything that deals with leadership and being a fair person. He is gross. He is really gross. We're not endorsing any particular candidate. We're endorsing not Not him. (laughs) Yeah. We're endorsing not him. Okay. Oh, just Kansas. If I could vote over there. He probably wouldn't let me because that's his whole <laughs> shtick. But just don't do it. It's the worst. He's gross. Tim and Tom. Roseanne's in a bit of hot water lately. Let's get into this story because I actually have a different take than most because Disney is the one I have the biggest gripe with. Ooh, so. Okay. Let's get into it. So Roseanne and just a bizarre left field tweet, which is very common. If you look at her history of just talking in the last five to 10 years, essentially said that a presidential aide to Barack Obama looked like, uh, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but looked like a blend between the Muslim brotherhood and planet of the apes, which first off, it's not even funny. Let's just, you know, we both like extreme humor, like taking yeah. it to the edge and like really pushing on the waters. Yeah, right. We both love that. I, I and I'll speak for you in this, too, but we are like defenders of the First Amendment. Right. Yes, Say right. whatever you want. As long as it's not a lie. Right. Go ahead. You know, protected by law. And, right. Protected by law. Say yeah. literally whatever you want. As long as it's not a lie. That's right. that's where I draw the line. Like you can't just walk around and be like, uh, that person's four foot or oh, yeah. this person. Well, you know, we'll get deeper whatever. into it. We're just very big on, hey, you're not protected from public scorn or shame, but we're yeah. not throwing you in jail. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but boy, just we're gonna tell lie. you we're gonna call you out. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're you can't right. just walk around like that lady committed murder. This guy is a rapist. Like you can't right. say that. Can't yell but fire you can in a movie theater, right? You can't right. lie. Right. Yeah. You can say whatever you want though. Uh, So, again, she says this bizarre tweet about this presidential aide to Barack Obama. Obviously, it's racist. I mean, 100 percent. And so uh, she works for Disney. She's on the ABC network. It's the number one show on ABC. They don't have another good show. Yeah. I don't even think they have another good show. I've never heard of another good show on ABC. What's on ABC? I don't know. I don't even watch TV anymore, really. I watch that's true tops. Yeah. So anyhow, ABC struggling. That's their number one show. I guess credit to them, but they then cancel Roseanne, like essentially on the spot. Their yeah. first season is their last season of this reboot and they're done. Here's my gripe. So first off, hold on. I'll get your reaction. What do you think about this? First off? Um, well, I'm never worried about when the public, scorn hit somebody and their careers ruined i'm like uh, especially on something like that i'm like dude you can't get away being an a-hole your whole life and expect that the whole world's just gonna be like well that's how they are i mean 
karma you can call it a real thing or not but it seems like if you continue to be a bad person bad things will eventually happen to you right i mean i had to learn the hard way in in some things in life myself in that regard you know so like oh so did i yeah so you know i'm never shocked at that um i feel like uh you could have fired her man you could have redone that show you could have those other characters on there because uh what one of the appeals to at least the original roseanne was was that it was capturing what actual modern uh, American life was like for a lot of people. So you could still do something like that and capture that without her involved, right? I mean, you've killed off main mm-hmm. characters before on that show. There's been television shows that killed off the main character that the show was about and retooled the show. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You don't got to ruin everybody else's career because she's racist. You fire her. Right. Well, here's my take. This is what upsets me. Yeah. Again, uh, I think it's the Disney Corporation lack of research and, uh, I guess, uh, checking on what they're hiring. Because on the same day that Roseanne, who has a history of being just a vile person, she took a photo dressed as a Nazi uh like with baked goods, like as if, you know, so that's just horrible right there. And I knew of that. So ABC, you should have known that before the reboot even happened. But but on the same day that you fire Roseanne, you hire Keith Olbermann who has on many occasions called president Trump a Nazi. Now, I'm not saying He's one not way Nazi. or the other. On, <laughs> well, I'm not saying either way is better, right? I'm not saying Roseanne's tweet of a wannabe bad joke is better than what Keith Oberman just blatantly says about right. Trump sure. or vice versa. But both people are just outright saying stupid stuff, which, again, oh. the First Amendment go right ahead and say all of that stuff. But Disney, you can't say, like, we're firing Roseanne because – because our uh, standards and practices and morals as a company uh, don't align with what Roseanne says. Uh, Keith Oberman, uh, come on, jump on in. It's like, no, it's the same thing. Yeah, Stop well. being dumb with your hiring practices. Yeah, it's specifically somewhat odd because uh, a lot of people that watch that show probably didn't mind her uh, – her, her tweets. So it's odd that ABC was like, oh, well, we better save face and get rid of it because ABC has not always been the most left leaning company out there. You know what I mean? Or Disney. Oh, they censored. That, you know yeah. I mean? like, <laughs> they censored uh, the blackest show when they tried to do an episode about uh, the NFL players kneeling. Yeah. So, exactly. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? They, yeah. And they've always been that whole like wholesome family value group you know what i mean even though espn has been charged with being left-leaning i guess so you know there's that but 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 my i guess my 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 biggest gripe is with the disney corporation when you say in one breath roseanne does not represent what this company is about what she said is vile and mean and baseless and you know horrible and then you hire Keith Olbermann, who's yeah. on the other side of the coin, who's just like, this man is a Nazi. We need to get rid of him, uh, you know, by like not impeachment. Like he implies other ways, you know. And so it's like, hey, guys, stop with 
the like we're the family place and hiring these wackos. Yeah, like, exactly. Be consistent. Be consistent or be honest. Right. Just say, hey, we don't want to lose money on Roseanne. We think this show's going to plummet. We don't want to go through that. We're going to cut ties so we don't lose money. But yeah, we can all stand. Hire- we could all seem to just not, you know, give into that, right? We don't need the outlandish characters to keep our attention, guys. Like our journalists and stuff, and and our our actors don't have to be these fantastical, you know what I mean? Like yeah, out there weirdos, people. right? Yeah, and so just be honest or be consistent, but choose one because you're not doing either Disney, and it's really stupid. How bad? Yeah, it just reeks of tired. reactionary. You know, is is oh, what yeah. it is. Yeah. Right. Well, and that again, going more into what Roseanne was before, how did you not know that this was, was going to be yeah. something, something? Well, what was the tweet we saw? It was like, imagine how angry her followers would have been if she had uh, uh, spit during the national anthem and grabbed her crotch. Thankfully, she was just being racist, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and then she. My favorite part of this whole story, though, is then after she gets fired and all that stuff, she says she's leaving Twitter. Obviously, she needs the attention, so she doesn't and comes back. And she says, sorry, guys, I was on Ambien, and uh, yeah. uh, that's, that's what happened. And Ambien comes back and goes, hey, and I'm paraphrasing here, hey, we got some side effects, but being racist isn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was the it was the pharmaceutical company that makes Ambien, and they said something. Yeah, exactly like that. It was said there's a lot of drug side effects, but none that we're aware of that cause racism. <laughs> just, just great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. You know, if you didn't see this coming, this is well, who else? Oh, this is like our Kanye West argument. Like, I'm surprised it took people this long to understand that we shouldn't be listening to Roseanne. Right. Why are you people yeah. following her on Twitter? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's this that's to a bigger point is because we constantly need content. Again, another person that I like and respect a lot as far as a person is Steve Kerr. He's the coach of the Golden yeah. State Warriors, for those of you who don't know. However, for a reporter to ask him, what's your opinion on the NFL kneeling? Like, why are we asking that guy? <laughs> yeah, Any right. of that? What is he? Is he an influencer? Is he going to be like, oh, Jerry Jones going to hear that and go, you know what? Steve Kerr said he didn't like it. I think, I think we should stop this. Like, yeah. no, stop asking weird people. And I'm not saying Steve Kerr is Completely weird, but Roseanne. Right. Yeah. The Roseanne's and Kanye's and Oberman's of the world. Stop asking them and looking for their opinion. They're wackos. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. They do weird stuff day in and day out. You know what I mean? That you would just be like, really? You, you pour your, milk in the bowl before your cereal you're a weirdo i'm not asking you any question ever again (laughs) yeah you You weirdo cereal eater tim and tom now this has possibly some real ramifications so let's get into the third story of the week it's the curious case of Brian Colangelo and the secret secret twitter account okay did you hear about this oh how fun is this story all right, so Brian Colangelo, for those of you who don't know, is the president of the basketball team, the Philadelphia 76ers, right? So we're talking seven-figure salary probably. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a high-end position. And for this guy, Brian Colangelo, he is the son, uh, I believe son, um, could be brother. I'll have to fact-check that later, but I'm not going to do it now, of Jerry Colangelo. Jerry Colangelo, for those of you who don't know, 
created the dream team. He is the like founding father of the dream team. So this is like basketball, a royalty family. You know what I mean? Like when you get a Colangelo, you're getting the cream of the crop. You're getting the Jerry West type of, you know, pedigree when you're hiring this person. So here's a story, a collection of Twitter accounts that has criticized Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, disclosed sensitive information and outlined team strategy shares eye-opening similarities to Brian Colangelo. Yeah. So for those of you not in the know, that's called a burner account. And essentially what he did is he created uh, up to five accounts that we know of so far. And he would go on Twitter and criticize his basketball players under a fake account. So there was an Eric Jr. account and he'd be like, you know, Joel Embiid, I just don't think is going to be the, the the face of this uh, of this basketball team moving forward. I would take Christoph Porzingis instead of Joel Embiid. And then he would say things like, you know what, Brian Colangelo actually uh, is doing a good job. I think you need to lay off of him through another fake Twitter account. He's a 52-year-old man going under fake Twitter accounts, defending himself and criticizing his basketball players. For what? Yeah, why? Why is it important? Why is it important to be right on Twitter? I don't know. And not even you being right. Random dude with a hard to understand Twitter name is right when you do that. Like, uh, Doesn't make sense. Now, I almost get it a little bit as a younger generation. So if you remember, if you follow the basketball news of uh, this season, Kevin Durant got in trouble a couple months ago, I think it is now, uh, for creating a burner account, a fake account, and then defending himself when people would criticize him. His situation is a little bit different. For one, I believe it's hard as an employee of a corporation, which a basketball team is to defend yourself, right? Because you could almost make a Roseanne type mistake and not be racist, but you could say something very stupid and get fired. But when when you're in a position of power, like president of the team, what are you doing caring about what Joe Schmo yeah. from East Philly says about Joel Embiid going two for nine or whatever. Like, you, know, yeah. you are bigger yeah. than that. You could say the same for Kevin Durant, but at least that's him doing his thing and people personally attacking it. Colangelo, like, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe he feels some ownership in it, but man, dude, you're a rich old dude. You have a family, I'm assuming, you know what I mean? I'm just assuming, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like there's stuff in your life that you could be dealing with without doing this, man. How bored are you? Or or how petty are you? How insecure are you that you – the first thing you do is you get on Twitter to defend your shirt collar. That was a real thing. He defended his – the collar of his shirt like six or seven different times to people. What are you doing? What are you doing? Now, again, this is all alleged. He says none of this is real. And if it isn't real, who was it that would try to take you down? Then we have a bigger discussion of, you know, I don't believe that people have enemies, right? I think that people dislike other people, but no one has an enemy. If this is true, though, and he's not the person, you have an enemy, sir. And you might need to reevaluate your life because someone is trying to take you down. You better check your wife. Yeah, I just think it's incredible. Or your best friend. Uh, I just think it's incredible that a 52-year-old 
let's just kind of call it what it is, millionaire is so petty that he would go on as a fake account and criticize his team and then defend himself. Be a man. Put your name on it. What are we doing also? If you are going to say that, put your name on it. Yeah, why wouldn't you just go on Twitter? Nobody would care. Like the things you said were not inflammatory to the point of needing to be fired. Like you could have just. Well, but now you're going to get fired because now you've broken. If this is true, now you've broken the trust of your players. They're no longer going to trust you. You've broken the trust of your. That's true. He did uh, talk smack on some of his own players. That's what I'm saying. So now you've caused a bigger stink because you wanted to be right on Twitter and now you're going to get fired because Joel Embiid, the franchise player, says, I don't like that guy, and my contract comes up in a few years, and if you want me to resign, it's either me or him. And guess who scores more points? <laughs> Joel, Joel Embiid. So, Trust the process. Exactly. And he's the one that like took over the process and got him to the playoffs. Now, obviously, he didn't play any minutes, but you know what I'm saying. He oversaw that operation. Um, I can't believe it. Why you, you're you so petty and so insecure that you need to be right on Twitter. You've cost yourself one of the most promising positions with one of the most promising organizations in basketball. Insane. Well, it's insane. That's why you should follow us on Twitter. Cause we're wrong all the time, right? We don't need to be right. We're at Tim and Tom KC on the Twitter, but we'll put our name on it, but we'll put our name on it. We'll put both of our names on it at Tim and Tom KC. Tim and Tom. All right, so that's it, huh, man? Then we'll come back. We'll talk to Carrington Harrison of 610 Sports. Yeah, that'll be a fun interview. You should stick around and listen to that. And we'll do all that when we come back after we go take a break, get some water, calm down a little bit to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, neuroscientists believe babies don't dream for the first two years of their life. Whole squad about the business. We can't have no doubts if you in it. Nigga, keep your distance. I don't get no clout to the critics. If you ain't in route to the digits, if your mind don't amount to ambitions, I'm ghost. I've been running off a hoe. Desperation in my clothes. I'm over to that money clothes. Bring the range in the scope. Sick and tired of being broke. Nine to five, that's a hoes. They used to pay me as a joke. Now I'm dominating in the pose. Damn, see me thumbing through them pesos. Tim and Tom. This week starts the NBA Finals, uh, a matchup four years in a row, Cleveland Cavaliers versus Golden State Warriors. And Tim, I know you're excited. Isn't that right? I am excited, man. I I watched um, – I have woefully not been able to catch most of the the playoffs, but I did watch both Game 7s over the weekend, and and it's got me pumped, ready to see this again, Uh, What you know – what I think is just going to kind of be a brutal bloodbath uh, for the most part, but we've got an expert on because that's it. I'm not an expert. Clearly, Tom, you follow it a little more closely than I do, but we've got somebody who knows his stuff and we've got from 610 Sports Radio, it's Carrington Harrison. How are you, man? Hey, how's it going? I don't know if I would consider myself an expert mm-hmm. on this subject uh, okay. in the least bit, but uh, I'm happy you guys have me on. I appreciate it. Well, let's get right into the NBA Finals. So, uh, like I mentioned, this is four years in a row, and obviously you work at 610 Sports, so sports is your profession as far as following it. Uh, As a basketball fan, um, what's your take? Is this good for the NBA? Is this boring, and why are we getting them again? Or what's your first initial take that it's Golden State versus Cleveland four years in a row? I don't know if this year it's probably good for the NBA. I think last year when it was, 
the third time they had played each other, it was 1-1, and it was the first year of the Kevin Durant version of the Golden State Warriors. I would consider that good for the NBA. I'm never going to say it's bad for the league if LeBron James is in the NBA Finals because he's the biggest star that they have. I mean, you probably have three of the five biggest stars in the NBA in this series with Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James. So I don't think it's necessarily bad for the league. I don't know what really the league can do about it. I think Kevin Durant kind of broke the NBA a little bit if you're going to put Kevin Durant on a team that is as loaded as the Golden State Warriors. But I don't really know what the league can do about it or if there's a rule change that they can possibly do that can make it more even, so to speak. But this is the matchup that we have. And I was saying this earlier on the week on our show, The Drive, we still got the matchups that we wanted. Everybody wanted to see Houston play against Golden State. We got to see a seven-game series between Houston and Golden State. We got to see LeBron play in a meaningful Eastern Conference uh, playoff, which it feels like it hasn't been in a while since we got to see that. So I mean, this has been an entertaining playoff. The end maybe isn't as climactic as people want it to be, but it's still arguably the best player all time, certainly the best player of his generation, up against the best team we have maybe ever seen before, certainly in a talent standpoint. So, again, I don't know if I can say that it's bad for the NBA. I just would say in terms of viewer fatigue and how – non-competitive I think this series is going to be I don't know if I would classify it as a good thing for the NBA well going forward you know as you mentioned Kevin Durant is on a team that already had Draymond Green Steph Curry and Clay Thompson uh one thing that's been thrown out there and Adam Silver is even uh the NBA commissioner has even talked about it is instead of doing an east versus west you know uh bracket where it's the east and then the western conference and then each from the uh respective conferences meet in the finals, they do a seeding where it's the bottom seed and the number one seed. Would you be more in favor of that? Because then possibly all of these teams that are so heavy in the West, you know, back in the day, it used to be like LA, Sacramento, um, you know, San Antonio and all of them. And now it's Golden State. Houston looks strong. Uh, Oklahoma City is kind of hit and miss. But would you like to see a seeding going forward because of how strong the West has been and looks to always be going into the future? No, not really. I think it, it, it just it's very cyclical. You know, the NBA is a very cyclical kind of thing. And we're trying to figure out different equations in which Golden State isn't going to win right now. As long as these four guys are playing in the prime of their career, meaning Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green, then there's no playoff scenario you're going to create in which they don't win a seven-game series at the end of it. I just said, I mean, Kevin Durant really broke the NBA. The NBA would just be a more interesting product if Kevin Durant had gone to the Washington Wizards or if he had gone to the Boston Celtics or if he had picked another team in free agency. Now you're in free agency, you pick whatever team you want. He picked Golden State, and we can go back and forth on if you like the move or not. He certainly made the best basketball decision. I mean, who can fault him for joining the team that he's on? But there's mm-hmm. no playoff scenario that you can create that's going to avoid Golden State winning it. So you just got to live with the cycle that currently exists in the NBA. I mean, look at the Eastern Conference. You just got to see the Philadelphia 76ers. You just got to see the Boston Celtics, who played a really competitive Eastern Conference final. They don't have their two best players. And it's just it's how sports works. It's just how life works, that it just goes in cycles. The power is eventually going to go back to the Eastern Conference. But right now, I mean, if you just have the juggernaut that exists in the, in the, in the West, 
the way that Golden State does, I just don't know what you're going to do to avoid it. So the juggernaut then on the flip side of that is LeBron James and his his placement may be up in the air uh, uh, where he is after this season. It seems to be that his best chances or even when he gets one of these things is he's got another player that's at least a big name. He had Kyrie or he had Bosh and Wade. Does he go somewhere where you think he's going to have a little more help or, do, or is he just much prefer being the guy calling all the shots and taking all the shots? I'm not going to lie to you, man. I don't really know what LeBron's going to do this offseason. I think he's at a very pivotal point in his career. I would say it's almost equal to the first time that he left Cleveland because he didn't have a ring. Because if you're LeBron and he seems very concerned with legacy of anybody can be the type of career that LeBron has, I don't know if he's winning a championship again in Cleveland. Now, he got the one, so that certainly puts you in a different category in a different conversation. I mean, if you want to win another championship and try to get to four or five by the time you're done playing basketball, I, mean, I don't know if Cleveland is the place to do it, but I don't know if he gets that Kobe-like run. We all remember Kobe's last season with the Lakers. I don't mm-hmm. know if LeBron gets that if he plays with the if he plays with the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know if it has the same impact if he plays for another team. So I think it's a big legacy standing. I don't think LeBron leaves whatever team he goes to this free agency. Like I don't think LeBron is going to play for four teams in his career. You left Cleveland the first time to go to the Miami Heat. You then came back to Cleveland. You're either going to make the decision to stay in Cleveland for the rest of your career, or you're going to make one more move to try to chase a ring, and then that's going to be your last move. So I think he is at a very pivotal point from a legacy standpoint, I don't know if there's many good teams for LeBron to go to. Like Maybe he really wants to play for the Lakers because he wants to live in Los Angeles. Bro, you're not winning a ring in the next couple of years with the Los Angeles Lakers. The only right. teams I think are very realistic for LeBron are staying in Cleveland. You go play in Philadelphia because they got the young pieces that they have. You go to the um, you go to the San Antonio Spurs, uh, the San Antonio Spurs when you play with Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge, and you play with uh, Greg Popovich, or you join the Houston Rockets and you play with James Harden and Chris Paul. I just don't know if there's many options for LeBron if his goal is to still win championships. If his goal is, well, you pick a place that you want to live and you don't care about rings anymore, but you want to do other business ventures that we know LeBron kind of dips his toe into a little bit, then you can play for the Lakers and you just have a really good end of your career being the Lakers and you live in Los Angeles and you can do all your movies and all your other stuff. But if his priority is legacy, I think he stays in Cleveland. If his priority, if his priority is chasing as many rings as possible in hopes of catching Jordan, which I guess is like de facto legacy, I think he joins those other three teams. Now let's go back to focusing on this series that starts uh, on Thursday. Uh, it seems to be a foregone conclusion from you know the casual fan to the hardcores that Golden State is going to win this quick. Uh, so my question to you is: Do you think? Uh, Cleveland gets more than one game, or is this over in four? I think Cleveland gets the absolute break speed off of them in this series. I think they get the work. I just don't know how defensively they really match up with Golden State in this one because there's just too many options, and Cleveland hasn't shown me that they can guard anybody this season. And they just don't have the firepower to keep up with Golden State. Not many teams do. Houston was close enough because they can score a lot of points. I just don't know if Cleveland has the firepower. It's Especially with no Kevin Love. I mean, you are beating the Golden State Warriors with LeBron and the New York Knicks, which is essentially who he's playing with. You ain't beating them with, like, like, you ain't beating them with 
J.R. Smith and Jeff Green and Kyle Korver and Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. Like, that's not beating Golden State. So I think they get one off the strength of LeBron because he'll go Superman in one of the games and he'll score 45 points. And, you know, he's good enough to get them one. Man, I'd be stunned if Cleveland gets two games in this series. I just don't know how they do it. Well, LeBron is how they do it, isn't it? Is there no conceivable way that, that he gets two? I don't think he gets two. <laughs> I mean, think back to the first time they played each other. LeBron got the one, and then they lost in five when he didn't have a lot of pieces. Remember, he didn't have Kevin Love the first time. He didn't have Kyrie Irving. He got them the one game. Yeah. They had a chance to win another one, and then they didn't do it. I mean, I think that I think that Cleveland is more outmatched this time than they were the first time these two teams played each other. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how they're going to do it. You know, we all watch these games. Golden State is going to go on a run in yeah. each of these games that Cleveland has no answer for. Whether it's in the second quarter, whether it, whether it's in the third quarter, Seth's going to start shimmying. He's going to hit a couple of threes. Kevin Durant's going to do something. And next thing you know, you're going to look up and it's going to be a 20-2 to run. I think that's going to happen three times in this series. One game will be close. Cleveland will still lose. LeBron will get another one. I just, I think that Cleveland is more outmatched in this one than they were the first time these two teams played each other. Now let's move to a different topic, hopefully a little bit more competitive. Uh, You do another podcast uh, called Stick to Sports, and you've done two emergency podcasts about a rap beef between uh, one of the most popular, I guess, rap slash pop artists, Drake, and one of the best rappers, uh, in this era, push a T. Give us your take because this seems to be taking over Twitter. This seems to be taking over all different types of uh, talk radio that I've been listening to. Uh, like I said, you did two emergency podcasts on your Stick to Sports uh, podcast. Um, what's your take for people who haven't heard it already? I just like the way you said push a T. That was like very official. <laughs> I haven't heard somebody like you said like all the syllables and push a T. So I really appreciate that. Uh, my thoughts on the beef. I think this is worse for Drake than the ghostwriting stuff with Meek Mill. I think that Drake was a clear superior rapper to Meek Mill. So kind of discarding Meek and kind of making jokes about him was a very easy thing for him to do. I think he showed that and he kind of dis, he kind of, he kind of disengaged Meek Mill very early on in the battle. If you remember, Meek sends the tweets out that Saturday, Drake drops the, um, a diss and charged up. I believe it was Tuesday night, maybe early Wednesday. He drops back to back. I think we all know how that beef kind of concluded itself. It was over kind of quick. Man, Drake's mm-hmm. not doing that to push the T. Like, he's kind of at a lyrical disadvantage when it comes to this. And I made the analogy on the podcast. It kind of reminds me of that scene in It at the very beginning of it. Like, Drake is Georgie, and he was, like, playing with the boat. And mm-hmm. Kenny Wise was trying to draw him down into the sewer. And then Georgie goes, and he, like, talks to him, and then – the clown pulls Georgie into the sewer, and that's how the movie starts. Like, that's kind of how this beef started. Like, Pusha T kind of fired a couple shots early on in the beef to kind of gauge the temperature of it. Drake bit, he dropped a freestyle, and then Pusha just hit him with absolute haymakers in this one. For the first time in Drake's career, he's a little bit pressed here. I think there's a little bit of skepticism. I can't think of a time on Twitter, and we all are on social media. I can't mm-hmm. think of the time that Twitter was making fun of Drake. Like even right. like even when the Meek Mill stuff happened with all the ghostwriting stuff, it wasn't really the jokes that it was yesterday on Twitter. Like for 24 hours, Drake has been the punchline on the internet for the first time 
seemingly in his in, in his entire career. And Drake, I do think after the ghostwriting stuff, really wants to he really wants to legitimize himself and solidify himself as as a rapper. I think we know that Drake can make really good songs like Hotline Bling and some of the other stuff that happens. But I think Drake desperately wants approval from the hardcore rap fans. Man, this is your chance to grab it if you really want to re-engage yourself in the conversations about best rapper and best lyricist. Man, your next move and how you choose to handle this is going to be very, very critical to how you're viewed, I think, of your legacy. Now, Drake's legacy, when he's done, he's certainly going to have a really good career. But, man, this is one of those, like, pivotal stepping stones you either got to answer or you lose gracefully the way I think we saw Jay-Z did, where Jay-Z lost the beef with Nas, kind of accepted defeat and continued to make good music, and we still look at Jay-Z in obviously very high regard. How Drake right. handles the next week, the next 10 days, whenever he decides to put one more song out, will tell us a lot about Drake the rapper, not Drake the artist. Yeah, that was my, my question to you is, you know, let's assume that, you know, with uh, that last track that came out, Drake doesn't respond because I don't know if I was in Drake's shoes, I wouldn't respond because it feels like <laughs> he has more ready. And if it was if that was just the first punch, I don't want to know any other stuff. So. As an artist like Drake, though, he's more popular than just rap because he's, you know, like I said, a pop artist. There's plenty of, you know, uh, sixth grade girls who love Drake's Hot Light and Bling and stuff like that. So this is a little bit different because I've always loved uh, battle rap. I've, I've I followed like the battle rap scene with like King of the Dot and all that stuff. But, you know, this is musically uh, a battle rap. So how do you. How do you think he gate do you does he do the Jay Z thing where he just makes songs and like hey we ain't talking about that guy moving it on because he does have so many pop songs that you know is so big with the middle school girls or high school girls and stuff like that. But I think Drake again I think he desperately wants acceptance from that other crowd. I think he desperately wants us to look at him as a great rapper. So I think if 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 he still cares about how we view him as a rapper. We already discredited him enough and took some stripes away when we found out that other people write his bars for him. Man, right. you can't take two hits in back-to-back years or you know over a two-year span in which you continue to lose credibility as a rapper to me. He can lose mm-hmm. this beef, and I still look at him good as a rapper, but you at least got to fight in this one. Drake is too big of an artist to push a teeth to just end. Like, what could, what could happen? that doesn't make me anticipate new Drake music or makes me kind of discredit his catalog. Even if you listen to Push and interviews over the last couple of days, he's not really discrediting Drake as a musician and as somebody that makes really good music because Kanye does the exact same thing. He gets ghostwriters and all this stuff. He's been kind mm-hmm. of discrediting Drake as a lyricist and as someone who can compete with him in this arena. Then you need to compete with him in this arena. Even if you lose, I think Drake can still get some stripes of, all right, you went up against the more talented rap artist, but you held yourself in the beef. If people want to know more about this rap beef, I'm sure you'll provide updates uh, on your Twitter. You're a, you're fun to follow on Twitter at C dot Harrison. If you spell that out, C D O T H A R R I S O N. Did I say all that right? Yeah, no, it is. I was, uh, I mean, I was shocked to hear. Uh, I listen to battle rap, King of the Dot. Like uh-huh. that's a that's a hardcore rap battle reference, you know. Like a lot of people mess with the URL, 
But to say king of the dot, like, you really keep up with it. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not to pat myself on the back, but, like, legitimately, I watch a probably three to five battle raps a day. Like, I've seen all of URL, all the smack, all the king of the dot. Yeah, I really keep up with it. Because it actually, side note, Drake was who got me into battle rap because – I saw one of his YouTube videos and in the like recommended videos, it was Drake host battle rap. And I was like, I thought he was actually going to be in it. And he hosted a battle rap between DNA and disaster. And it was up in Toronto. And that got me hooked when disaster just goes insane with just the most personal worst things you could ever say to another human. And I love that stuff. And so I was like, this is for me. <laughs> and So yeah, ever since then I've watched all of the, Charlie Clips, Disaster, Roan, all of that stuff. And that's who I think is uh, low-key between me and you. I think that's who's doing his ghostwriting. I think he gets King of the Dot. I think he goes to some of those guys, and I think he gets those guys to write for him. That's just my personal conspiracy theory. I actually don't think that's that bad. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of the culture. I'm a fan of the music that I, I appreciate all the different genres of it. So I, I appreciate battle rap. I enjoy just the – the wordplay of it, the lyricism, the in-your-face of it, the aggression of it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's, it's a different form of rap music to me that I really appreciate it. I'm not as big into it as I probably was like a couple years ago. Like I was mm -hmm. kind of like you. Like I used to be heavy like every day. Oh, yeah. I would watch and kind of update it. I'll keep up with some of the bigger battles and some of the big stuff that people are talking about, but I'm not as – I'm not as big into it as I was in probably like 2016. That's the one thing with this battle, though, that I think is missing is like all the beats are very like low key and like calm. It's almost as if they're battling each other, but with like the posturing of like this isn't a big deal to me. Like I want to hear like a dip set type of beat and then one of these guys just like not yells at him because obviously that would get you made fun of but like i want to hear some aggression because everything is like you know you're a deadbeat dad <laughs> and it's like be adam like grab his you know grab his collar and like throw him up against the wall like that's what i want to hear but that's what you know i like the battle rap that's why um i actually think that the internet has really changed maybe our perception of competition and our perception of the rap sport of it, where you think about it, and maybe this is like a larger point about beef, and I'll kind of like, I'll bring it home at the end, that if you think about how we grew up and we listened to rap music, all the regions had their own sound. Like in 1995, the West Coast had a very distinct sound. Atlanta had a very distinct sound. New York had a very distinct sound. Memphis had a very distinct sound. And they certainly still have it now, but I mean, you have a rapper like ASAP Rocky, who is from Harlem, that sounds like he's from Houston, Texas. You got a right. rapper like Fetty Wap, like you got a rapper like Fetty Wap, who's from New Jersey, that sounds like he's from Atlanta. That I think the internet has kind of bridged a lot of borders. I also think that it's it's ruined competition, not only in rap, but it's ruined it in sport because technology makes it easier for you to be friends and communicate with people that don't live where you live anymore. Like you guys are on the internet as much as I'm on the internet. I'm sure both of you have someone that you would consider a friend that you've never met before, that you've oh, only course. had interactions yeah. with them, that you've only had interactions with them on the Internet. Like, that's hard for my parents to understand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, all your friends you live with, you went to church with, you, you know, you went to school with, or you did something like that, that the Internet has created friends with people that you necessarily have never seen before and never had real conversations with. 
So I think that's affected the rap music that everybody's just cool now. Like there's, you know, you see that, hey, this person might be from another place, but we have so many similarities that I like them. I know them. And now with how easy it is to share music, I mean, how many of these songs do we think are getting made where they're not even in the same place? It's yeah. Drake does a verse. I then email it to Future. He then emails it back to me. So this happens so much. I think it's created a sort of community in rap music that just makes it different than the 1990s. Yeah, then you call that the Deadbeat Dads and put it out on uh, Spotify and see what happens. <laughs> no, uh, well, and that was my my last thing about this whole beef that I think is getting overshadowed. So the beef is amazing, right? Like I even heard like conservative, not conservative, but like the Mike Greenbergs, and maybe it wasn't him, but like that type of sports talk guy mentioning this beef, and that's how big it is. It's getting. But another guy that I think is kind of sitting in the corner, pissed off, is a guy you just mentioned, ASAP Rocky. He just put out new music and it feels like no one is even talking about I, what I didn't he even did. know that yeah yeah and it's like <laughs> Yo, he's I, a- I, I haven't even heard asap rocky uh i i was a huge asap rocky fan the first mixtape that he dropped when everybody kind of started listening to him i actually saw asap rocky at the beaumont club mm. like a real kansas city reference to asap rocky right. uh i saw asap rocky then uh i saw him with drake and i've seen him one other time so i mean i, I like asap but i mean it came out the like What's happened now in rap music is a really good thing and a really bad thing that whenever we were growing up, man, when you had to go buy a CD, you sort of like brainwashed yourself to really like that CD because Mm -hmm. that's the only like that. That's the only music you would have for three weeks. Now, seven albums come out at one time. I don't have the time to listen to seven albums on a Friday anymore. I picked the two I really want to hear. And now that you don't have any ownership of the music, it's easy to discard it. Like how many times did you listen to a tape and maybe you even liked the tape, but man, by the time you end up listening to it, oh man, Ray Shermer's got something else. I'm going to go click on Ray Shermer and you just move on so quickly that it feels like the music has been cheapened because there's absolutely no ownership of it of Spotify. Like right now, the only two things I'm listening to are Ray Sherman and Pusha T. Like, I legitimately, I couldn't tell you the name of a song on ASAP Rocky's album. I don't know if I'll right. ever listen to it. Because by the time I'm done listening to Pusha T's new album, Daytona, man, it's going to be 10 more things that I need to hear that I haven't, you know what I mean, that I haven't listened to mm-hmm. because I haven't listened to Daytona. That just, it's, it's so easy to put out music now, and it's so easy to move on from music because of, because of Spotify and streaming and Apple Music. That it just you never feel like you have any ownership of the music, which was different back in 1995 when man buying a CD was an experience. You went oh, to yeah. Best Buy, you bought the album, you ripped the packaging off, you read the insert. Like man, it was mm-hmm. it was an experience to buy music. It's not an experience to listen to music anymore. I agree with that. Yeah, I will skip so many songs on an album because I'm just like ah. These are these are worthless, right? And and like you said, if if I had to buy that album and spend twenty bucks on it when I was making no money, not that I'm making a whole bunch now, but you get the idea. Uh, yeah, man, you listened to that whole thing all the way through and found a reason to bump it all. Yeah, and uh, I saw somebody make this argument about a DJ Khaled album. I think it applies to everything. They said that DJ Khaled uh, DJ Khaled's albums are like trail mix. That maybe you don't like cashews, but you like M&M's and you like peanuts and you like raisins, so you take out the parts of which you like and you just throw the rest away. Man, that's how streaming has treated a lot of this stuff. I mean, now these rappers are putting 20 songs on an album. You pick the 
you pick the six you really like. Yep. You listen to those six until you get tired of listening to them. And again, mm-hmm. by the time you get tired of listening to them, there's another album to listen to. And then you'll do the same thing like the, um, the Amigos album, Culture 2. Man, I listen to that whole thing. It's, it's 27 Migos songs. Like, <laughs> they aren't, they, like, they, they aren't diverse enough for me to sit there and listen to an hour and 20 minutes of their music. Not at Great. one time. Yeah. I'll listen to Great. it over a span of, you know, some time. But, I mean, the Internet has told me the songs to listen to on that album. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I listen to it uh, probably two times in parts. I picked the eight songs I really liked, and I moved on from it. That's why I kind of do really appreciate what good music is about to do with these seven-song albums. And, man – Keep your album 12 songs. I can do 12 songs, 65 oh, yeah. minutes of an album. I can do that. That's an easy sit down. Yeah. I, I, like, I, like, I love what Jay-Z did with 444, 10 songs, 44 minutes. Like, man, that's a, I can sit down and listen to it and feel it, and I'll go back and listen to songs that I really like. Bro, I'm not clicking on your 29 Migo songs. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, guys, you, you guys just aren't diverse enough to do this. Right. Right. Yeah, you're a yeah. Give me you know two albums a year, spread them out, and give them to me at a normal length. So on your Twitter, you've got a thing that you throw out occasionally. It's called the Random Eight. Uh, Tom's uh, a big fan of this, and and I think he thinks yeah. he can do it better than you. Uh, well, no, Tom. I, stuff. Well, first off, I want to know what made you what what inspired the Random Eight because I, I follow you on Twitter and you, you'll do this randomly. Uh, and like, how do you come up with the questions? What makes you decide to do it on, you know, for example, a Tuesday night, tell us a little bit about the origin of the random eight. Cause I really like it a lot. Uh, I normally do it on Mondays. Um, this probably started maybe three years ago and I started calling it random question Mondays. And it basically was, I would do it on off days that the Royals didn't play. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a, Hey, you're on Twitter. You're looking for something to do. I'll do these questions and I would kind of see how people would respond to them. And I would do them at seven on days of Monday night football. So between seven and seven thirty, as people were waiting to watch Monday night football, they could um, do these questions and it got kind of popular. People really seemed to like it. So I kind of kept doing it. And then after we did the Kanye madness bracket, one of my friends was kind of telling me about the importance of hashtags and why you should like name it stuff and how people can mm-hmm. use the hashtag to kind of go back and see questions. So he was like, come up with a hashtag you think is really unique. So I just typed it in the Google search of random eight. Nobody had ever used it before. So I just started using it. Um, the questions, and they really just come to me. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Like to think of questions I've never asked before. Mm-hmm. So I'll just, kind of sit there on the phone at seven o'clock and I'll ask eight questions. Sometimes a question will pop in my head and I'll, I normally use like notes on my phone. I do it a lot for the show. And sometimes I'll just do like, you know, four questions will pop in my head when I'm kind of sitting there. So I'll just type four questions down in notes. Um, sometimes I let other people do them. So it's like guest questions. People kind of like the, you know, the seeing other people answer their questions. So it kind of depends. I wouldn't say that it's the most structured thing in the world, but I mean, it's supposed to be random. I guess that's the fun of the right. the bit, I guess. So Tom fancies the, the random eight a lot. And, and he was sitting here telling me, he's like, I want to throw a random eight at him personally. When we were talking off air and I was like, well, you've got to step up to the plate, right? You're a battle rap fan as he would never shut up about this. I promise you, this guy was, was nonstop battle rap in my ear. So I told him, man, the same thing. You got to step up. You can't, you can't shake down. So he wants to throw a random eight at you. You got time for that? All right, sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. All right. All right, here we go. First one. 
Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock? The Rock was my favorite rapper, or excuse me, my favorite wrestler after Bret Hart. I love Bret Hart for some reason. I don't know what it was. I was a huge Bret Hart fan, and then it kind of changed into The Rock. There is no person that was better on the microphone and better at cutting promos than The Rock. Like, every time The Rock talked, like, he just commanded, like, a lot of respect, and he had, like, such a presence. And anybody that watched wrestling in its heyday back in the Attitude Era, they certainly could see that The Rock was, like, bigger than wrestling and had a chance to be the big star that he ultimately became. You know, uh, I'm glad you matured at least and became a rock fan because that Bret Hart thing that broke our heart, man. We can't we can't get behind being a Bret Hart fan, man. That's not our relax, man. It is the uh, worst. Bret, Bret, Bret Hart. Hart was my guy. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't even really know now why I like Bret Hart as much yeah, as I did. Neither do we, man. Bret Hart. <laughs> it was just he had the leather jacket. His hair was always stringy, like he always just wet. got out of the shower. Yeah. He had, like, a different finishing move than everybody else. Like, everybody else had these, like, high-action finishing moves, and his was just the sharpshooter. He was, like, the technician from Canada. Like, I really liked Bret Hart. He was really my favorite. Like, remember when they had the uh, Hart Federation or the Hart Foundation? I think one of it was it was one of those two. Like, I mm-hmm. was in that group. I loved Bret Hart. <laughs> he was right. my guy. All right, well, that makes one of us. All right, number two. <laughs> number two is – a Cheeto, a chip. Yeah, a Cheeto's a chip. I never even thought otherwise. Like, what else would it be if it's not a chip? You would be surprised how people can't even answer that question. They just stare at us. They just stare blankly at us. Yeah, right, here we go. People are weird, though. The, the, the internet <laughs> yes. gets caught up in, like, these weird, obsessive questions that, like, no one was ever thinking about. Like, never in my life did I wonder if a hot dog was a sandwich until I signed up for Twitter. Right, exactly. All right, here we go. Number three, favorite author. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really read enough books mm. to maybe have a favorite author. Um, I guess I can give you people that write internet articles that I really, really like. Um, yeah, I really like Bomani Jones when he writes. I really like Howard Bryant when he writes. Um, there's this guy named David Dennis. He does a lot of stuff. Um, I really like him. Those would probably be my top three. I like Dan Wetzel for his stuff on college football. Um, those would probably be my four people that I really appreciate what they do. I can't I, – I don't know what it is. I just don't really read a lot of books. I always say I'm going to read more books. You know, like everybody says, oh, I'm going to start working out, but you're never going to work out. That's kind of how right. reading books are for me. Every, every, probably every two months I'm like, man, I should start reading more books. And I even like buy books. And then I never read them. Like, I bought um, Gary Pinkle's book. He actually autographed it for me around Christmas time. And it's, I, I've never touched it since I said it on my nightstand. Right. I've never touched the book. And you know what I mean? So I, I, I want to read more, but I never read actual books. But I read internet articles constantly every single day. So let me throw one at you then uh, for this eight. I know you're a documented Mizzou fan. So then the question becomes K State or KU? I actually like K-State. Um, yeah. I've dated a couple of girls that actually have graduated from K-State, so I, I've never had any issues with K-State. What's that saying? Like, uh, an enemy of my enemy is a friend? Right. I don't like, K- I don't like KU, and they don't like KU, mm-hmm. so I got absolutely no problem with K-State. I, I always enjoy going to Manhattan. It's always a good time. I was planning on going to uh, – I was actually planning on going to Aggieville 
whenever – well, I mean, I thought they were going to go to the Final Four. They didn't go to the oh, Final Four, God. so I did end up going to Aggieville. Oh. But, uh, no, I, I, I actually – I don't know if I would consider myself a K-State fan. Sure. But I would consider myself a silent K-State supporter. Okay, that's how I always felt about Mizzou. I'm a big K-State fan. Grew up in Manhattan. And uh, it's my fault about the Final Four. Uh, in 2008, when we last were there, uh, I watched it the Elite Eight at a bar when every other game I watched at my house and they lost. And this year I watched every other game at my house, went to a bar to catch the Elite Eight and they lost. So I blame myself. I just, I got to stop going to bars. Uh, I always think people are funny whenever they say that kind of stuff. <laughs> right? Cause like secretly, like secretly, you know, that has no effect oh, on the game, but I like you it. genuinely believe that yeah. you had an effect on the game. It, has it just to has to kill you. <laughs> it would be one thing if you lost to like, if you lost to Kentucky or North Carolina in the elite eight, bro, you lost to right. Loyola, Chicago, uh, know. you know, you lost to Loyola. <laughs> you, you were a pick to go to the final it four. Hurts. And you lost to Loyola Chicago in so a bad. team that, let's be honest, none of us will be able to name a single player on the team in two years, yeah. but we will all remember their mascot, which was a 90-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Next one. <laughs> best cleanup hitter in baseball all time. Who's the best cleanup uh, hitter of all time? I mean, you'd have to say Barry Bonds, you know? Like, I don't know what other answer you could possibly give other than Barry Bonds. I, I, I mean, I think people know this, but it's easy to discredit it because of what happened. Barry Bonds was, like, one of the ten greatest baseball players even without steroids. Then when he got steroids, he became the greatest baseball player we had ever seen. All right, next one here. Favorite local musician? Uh, my guy, Royal Chief. Um, he's yes. one of my really good friends. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't support him if I didn't think that his music was any good. So it's not even really close to me. Um, and World Chief, I mean, even if I didn't know him, I mean, some of his songs I, like, genuinely like and listen to on my own time. Like, not even when he tells me to listen to him. Like, I genuinely listen to him on my own time. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not even close. World Chief's my guy. Yeah, uh, we love the Chief. He came on the show uh, very early on when we started this version of it again and uh, graciously lets us use his music as outro. But uh, I hope he's listening so he hears that you said you genuinely like a few of his songs, right? I mean, genuinely like <laughs> no, a I few mean, of them. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I genuinely like, you know, I mean, I, like, I, think it's like, I, I, mean, I don't like every Drake song. I don't right, like every Jay-Z just... song. So, I mean, you know, I mean I, I mean, I got my critiques about some of the songs like any of them, but I mean, out of the last seven songs that he dropped on his tape, I believe it's seven, like five of them I really, really like. Mm. No, and he's, he's definitely good. We, we think the same thing. It was one of the, the – we were first looking at early guests, right? We were booking him, and I was like, hey, man, because we were looking for Kansas City bass, and I was like, Tom, listen to this, dude. we got to yeah, get this great. guy on right now. So, yeah, definitely a good pick with that one. For sure. All right. Yeah, there's not a lot of people one. that I like. I like legitimately trust their rap acumen. Um, and he's one of those people. And I mean, maybe the biggest reason to me, and, you know, we've been kind of talking about it is I, I think that one of the problems right now with rap music is it just sounds so similar. Like one of my friends was saying that he really liked this song and he thought this artist was good. And I was like, honest question. How do you know what's good when five of the seven new artists I listen to sound exactly identical? And I couldn't tell you who is who. Uh, so I, one thing I really appreciate about him, and I've told him when we've had conversations about music is like, there aren't many people I can say you sound like him. I, I think he has like a little bit of a, of a Dave East kind of flow to him. 
like I, I appreciate that. I think there's more. I think there's a lot of space in that lane for people that I think can rap at the level in which Chief can rap at. So yeah, I'm I'm always gonna rock with his music. I'm really looking forward to his next project. So yeah, I mean without question, that's my favorite local artist. All right, cool. Yeah, we agree then. Number seven, uh, what's your favorite podcast to listen to? If you're just going to pull up and listen to one for leisure. I listen to the Joe Budden podcast religiously every week. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. not even really close. Um, I think that they do a really, really good job of being really accurate with current events. Um, I think once my boss told me this like when we first started, he was like, you want to get to the point in your career where when something big happens in sports, people think you are the first person to listen to. That I think that Joe Budden's podcast has done a really good job where when something really big happens in pop culture, I go to their podcast to hear it. Like when Kevin Hart gets in trouble, I go to their podcast to hear it. When the Drake push it beef happens, man, I was up. I literally woke up today at 630 because they, <laughs> they upload their podcast every day at seven o'clock or every Wednesday at seven o'clock. So like, I, I was on the internet when they uploaded it today. Like, I, I, I listened to their show religiously. Um, I think it's a really good combination of current events. I think it's a really good combination of, like, male barbershop talk, the conversations that we have with our friends when we're just kind of sitting around. They just record those conversations. So um, there's a couple of podcasts I, I listen to pretty faithfully, but I would say that's at the top. Um, I listen to Bomani's Right Time. I listen to that. He does two podcasts a week. Um, one's interview-based, one's kind of his thoughts on sports. I listen to that. Um, I listen to a couple Missouri podcasts, the Power of Mizzou one. There's this other one called Dive Cuts. And then I'll catch, like, different ones kind of, you know, one-off. Like, someone will say, hey, this one's really good. Listen to it. But those are probably the four I listen to consistently. Awesome. And then last one, and we'll try to tie this back into our NBA talk. Who is the best in-game dunker of all time? Vince Carter, not close. Vince ah. Carter is the most is the most I, I want to say athletic person I've ever seen, but I don't know if that's accurate or not. But just he his ability to dunk and his ability to make in game dunks look so fluid to me. It's just second to none. Like Vince Carter jumped over a seven foot human yeah. being in a basketball game, yeah. like in an actual game, not like a dunk contest where he knew it was going to happen and stood there. Vince Carter got a steal, jump, took off on two feet, jumped over the person, bam. Like, it's not, it's not even arguable. Like, I, I'm not willing, like, there's some opinions, like, you know, if you have the opinion, like right now if one of you guys said, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. I disagree with you, but there's a good argument to make for Aaron Rodgers being the best uh, player, uh, quarterback in the NFL. If you said Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA, I disagree but I think you can make a good argument. There's no argument for anybody being a better in-game dunker than Vince Carter. I'm not willing to listen to that. Yeah, that dunk was so insane that Kevin Garnett almost pulled his hamstring celebrating. That's how incredible <laughs> that dunk is. No, you ain't lying. No, I mean, yeah. Kevin Garnett was more excited about the dunk than Vince Carter was who actually did <laughs> yeah. the dunk. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, and those are timeless. So, all right, let's – Let's give everybody more information on you, man. We mentioned it earlier on Twitter at C. Harrison. So C D O T H A R R I S O N. You're on 610 Sports Radio. It's uh, The Drive. Is it still presented by Tecate? Am, am I saying that right? Yeah, That's yeah. It's deal. still presented by Tecate. I mean, this is going to be like maybe the worst ending ever. I don't really have anything to promote. Um, 
Perfect. Listen to the podcast, stick to sports, listen to the radio show from two to six, listen to the Royal Chief. That that's it, man. I don't I don't really have anything else to promote. No, that's perfect, and that's all we need, man. We appreciate you coming on and talking some NBA and then rap battles and everything else we could throw at you. Thanks, I appreciate it. Tim and Tom. We started talking NBA finals and then just said, forget it, man. He sounds like a fun guy. Let's talk about everything else, right? Yeah, I mean, well, if you have a guy who's invested into pop culture and headline-worthy news, then you also kind of just – lead the conversation into that so yeah i thought the rap battle uh, or the battle rap uh was appropriate to talk about and then obviously my favorite thing about his twitter account not only is you know his takes on chiefs and royals and things like that that random eight, i love it because it's just so fun because i you know how i am and people yes. who have listened to this long enough knows that my brain goes that way too and so just to follow the the random eight questions it's, yeah it's a, it's a fun thing for me to do on twitter when so much of it can be hateful talk you know what i mean yeah well those are so fun because uh, it's everybody's got a stake in it right like you don't you know what i mean randomly are you like ah, i don't i got nothing Right. You always have because you frame them in that way. Right. Like you give it it's Mm -hmm. a choice or it's a favorite whatever. And everybody's got a favorite something. So it works out well. And just, yeah, I mean, he's a fun guy to follow all around. Listen to him on the radio. Check out his Twitter. And we're going to come back and give you some updates on what's going to happen around town because Tom's got some events for you. We'll do that when we come back to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the movie Predator produced two United States governors. Real ain't no discussion, I just saying do as I please With my heart on my sleeve You can trust and believe me They never said it was easy It wasn't working cause I wasn't working Was wishing like I had a genie Knew that I wanted it deeply Kill a city, yeah they need me Make a claim for my name on the wall Inside the Hall of Fame of the game is graffiti I was young and I needed to break out I was broken, I needed a way out Tim and Tom Tom, all right. If I need to get away from the flooring this weekend, what what can I do to take my mind off of the easy to install flooring? All right, here. Well, here we go. Let's get right into it because there is a ton of stuff going on in Kansas City. Uh, first up that I got for you, KC Pride Fest. Yeah. Now th- this is going to be at the Berkeley Riverfront Park. Uh, that is 1298 East Riverfront Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Happens uh, starting on June 1st, goes till June 3rd. Um, if you uh, need some more information, call 816-960-3400. Uh, see why the advocate named KC Pride Fest as one of the top 10 LGBT festivals in the nation. Uh, throughout the weekend event, celebrate inclusion, diversity, and pride with live music and performances from local and national headliners. Uh, see the website for full details and entertainment schedule. So uh, they've got about 90% done, it looks like, from uh, visiting the website. Uh, so check out the KC Pride Fest. Again, that starts on June 1st, goes till June 3rd. So that'll give you a full week to do some fun things. Full weekend. Yeah, from all accounts, this one is, is like you said, it's it's a notable one even around the nation. Like, it's a fun event. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and then you said that you might actually be going to that one, well, right? We might actually be going to that on Sunday. So maybe I'll give a rundown when we return uh, to our next episode of Tim and Tom. Maybe I'll give you the, the what for. I like that. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Hey, next one that I got for you. This is going to be June 2nd. It goes from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
in my neck of the woods where I grew up. I used to take care of this building all the time when I worked for the city. Uh, it's going to be the Strawberry Festival at the Vale Mansion, 1500 North Liberty Street, Independence, Missouri. Now, this is fun. This is a really good time. Uh, enjoy 100 craft and antique dealers uh, as they set up around the mansion. And the Vale Society will be setting uh, or selling strawberry treats. So this is like strawberries on strawberries on strawberries. So if you like a strawberry, put another strawberry on it and then have another strawberry. Eat that. And that's what this festival is like. It's insane. It's great. They set up all, all around this beautiful mansion. It's in Independence uh, next to William Christman. If you've never seen the uh, Vale Mansion before, just check that out because it's really, really cool. Um but yeah, they'll have vendors all around. Again, it's just like strawberry on steroids. I always hate that because it's like steroids that are like a good thing, but they're not. But like you get what I'm saying. Right. It's it's incredible. Uh, the Vale Mansion, like I said, is very beautiful. And strawberries, strawberries, strawberries. It's called the Strawberry Festival. It happens again June 2nd, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. I want to check this out because uh, strawberries are great. A bite-sized fruit, right? You know what I mean. You just pick one up. Oh, and I you love just get a whole. Yeah. Oh man, strawberries! You can just eat a whole case of them just sitting right there. It's great. And like I said, it's great uh, scenery. the The Vale Mansion is very beautiful. So when I worked at the City of Independence in the summers during college, uh, we would have to mow and string trim uh, all around it, and then the cleaning crews would go in and clean all of that uh, because it was a city monument, you know. Um, and the staff was always fantastic to us and nice. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was very, very beautiful uh, mansion. Again, that's in Independence, Missouri, 1500 North Liberty Street. Uh, look for William Christman and take a left, and then you ran right into it. All right, now let's uh, let's turn up the notches here. Okay. Let's get All a little. Right. Let's get a little aggressive. Let's yeah. let out that rock as June second. Oh. Sorry, oh, you jumped the gun. I like yeah, that. Getting yeah. a little. Getting a little hyped up. Uh All right, June 2nd starts at noon. This is a Kansas City staple if there has ever been one. This is now going to be, though, at the Kansas Speedway. Mm. It's 98.9 The Rock presents Rock Fest. And it features Five Finger Death Punch. What have I done? I spoke to the devil today. Rockfest is rock. I mean, if you're going to, like you said, 98.9 The Rock, right? If you're going to turn on and expect some some headbanging, some horns being thrown up, this is it. And I, I didn't realize this is going to be at the Speedway now. I'm going to be able to probably hear this just sitting out on my porch. So uh, this go. will be interesting. Wear your cut off and get out there with your Coors Light and listen yeah, to five-finger death punch, ghost, stone temple pylons, Pilots, Vince Neal, Seven Dust, Under Oath, uh, Of Mice and Men, uh, Red Sun Rising, Missy May, Power Man 5000, Bad Wolves. Oh, it's... And how cool. I've actually been to a concert at the Speedway. It was when Cans Roxas was a thing. Yes. And it's really cool. This is a kind of a festival thing. Again, it starts at noon. It's really cool because I'm assuming they're going to have multiple stages because that's what they did when uh, there are other venues. And you could kind of just sit like in one seat up in the stands kind of away from people. 
this is what you could do at Canthroxis. I'm assuming they can do this at uh, Rockfest, but you kind of just sit like at the 50 yard line for lack of a better term. And you could see both stages at the same time and just take it all in. That's a fun, fun thing. Yeah. You should do that. But yeah, 98, nine, the rock presents Rockfest June 2nd. Yeah. Bring your foam coolers and your spiked leather bracelets and party on at Rockfest at the, uh, at the speedway, man. Five yeah. finger death punch. Five yeah. finger death punch. Get so upset that you are middle class. Five fingers. Punch of death. Alright, let's let's move on. Alright, now let's dial it back down a little bit. Let's let's enjoy uh just relaxing, man. You know? Uh, this is an artist, I have no idea who it is, but he's playing at the Sprint Center. <laughs> so I'm kind of just winging this one. Uh, yeah. It's the 2018 Mountain High Tour at the Sprint Center, June 9th. So we're fast forwarding just a little bit. It's going to be Dirks Bentley. I took two weeks vacation for the honeymoon. Yep, this is Dirks Bentley, a little, uh, down in country, a uh, little, uh, what would I say, like, uh, back, so big arena country today. pop right now, you know what I mean, like, the kind of, I'm getting drunk on a plane, I bet the filler on the, yeah, right, who, who doesn't want to do that, get drunk on a plane, you ever done that, Tom? Oh, I tell you what, no, I haven't, not even in the slightest, hey, but you know what? You wear your affliction shirts and bedazzle the crap out of your pants, and you enjoy your cowboy boots and indoor hats, yep. and just love that Dirk's Bentley. Yeah, the indoor hats and the two small t-shirts, like a, even the 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 sleeveless t-shirts uh, with oh. the barbed wire bicep tattoos. Yes, and the bedazzled butts of yeah, the, all right. of the men and women. It's mm-hmm. so great. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yep. Right, the rhinestone cowboy, as it were. Uh-huh. Right. And wearing cowboy boots that are totally not made for an indoor setting. Just right. wear that all around the sprint center. Well, and on the outside of the jeans, right? Like tuck the jeans yeah. in the boots. Yeah. Drunk on a plane. I mean, getting drunk on a plane. It's better. Hey, man, we're all just trying to get to Chicago, you know, so we can make our connection. We don't really need to be causing a scene here, Dirks. Hey, so again, I don't know him that much. Uh, I don't listen to country music, but it is at the Sprint Center. And yeah. if I think I think if you make it at the Sprint Center, you're a pretty big deal. Like you said, he's a big arena country act. So I know we've got some fans of that. We're not trying to put you down. We just like to poke fun. So please don't take it personally. Oh, yeah, I've listened to a lot of Dirk Bentley in my time. Yeah. yeah, Tim loves that guy. He said it was his third favorite artist. Um, but again, here I we go. We got Casey. Eh, no, you said third. Uh, Casey Pride Fest. Strawberry Festival and Independence. 98.9 The Rock presents Rockfest and then Dirk's Bentley on June 9th. Uh, so got some fun things set up for you here in the city. Go out and enjoy it. Don't get too hot. It's going to be 90s the entire rest of the year, I think. Um, so uh, make sure not to overheat and pass out. Uh, but enjoy some fun activities in the great city of Kansas City. <laughs> Tim's favorite. All right, Tom, we're going to talk about Spider-Man and France. Yeah? You hear about this story? 
who doesn't talk about Spider-Man in France, right? It's like peanut butter and jelly. You got to talk about one with the other. Right. So I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sure. Mamadou Gassama is a real-life superhero. The 22-year-old Paris man scaled a four-story building to pluck a child dangling precariously over a sidewalk, uh, earning him the nickname Spider-Man of the 18th. For his heroism, he will be rewarded with legal status in France. Uh, so long story short is just that, right? There's this guy who's a, a uh, not a French national, but he's in the country. I'm, I'm sure if he was in school, if, I don't know if, the, if that's the full story here, but sees a child dangling from a balcony and literally you got to go online and see this video just starts climbing the multiple balconies up here, scaling the building, as it were. They even, if you catch the right video, show somebody down below trying to go up there and do it with them and not even being able to get up the first balcony, right? Yeah. It's just like, I mean, this guy's just burning up them. Gets up there and literally just grabs this kid and brings him back over. Even when there's another couple from the other balcony trying to help this kid the whole time, right? This guy got up there in amazing fast time. Like, this is what he does. He's like, oh, I just scaled these buildings. And he has been from Libya initially and left there amid their turmoil and was, you know, beaten and, and all sorts of stuff and and has wound up in France but was not a full legal citizen there. But now they're going to, even in light of French, uh, the politicians right now being heavy into shoring up the border somewhat, they're going through a similar uh, nationalist movement uh, that we are. And But they were like, no, nah, all right, man, you're one of us. And they're going to give him a job as a firefighter if he wants it. That's the coolest part, I thought. I mean, obviously, the citizenship is probably the most important, but giving the man a job as a firefighter, showing that obviously he can do some of this work, he can scale buildings and grab children that are falling, uh, was uh, impressive. And yeah, as quick as he got up there, I mean, it was it was he got up there in the time it takes for an Instagram video to play like that's how fast it was. And yeah, he made it look super easy. Thank God he saved the kid. Uh, really fantastic on Macron or Macron, however you say it. Uh, I can't say push a T either, so deal with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, good on him and the government to offer that citizenship and good on the uh, uh, fire department to offer him a job. Hopefully uh, both things you know, go accordingly. Uh, and he can start a new life because as you mentioned, Libya is probably not the place he wants to go back to. Um, so right person, right time saves a child and, um, hopefully starts a new life. So, you know, everyone win, win. Well, and just reading all the stuff that this guy's, uh, gone through here, some of these highlights where, uh, he traveled to Libya and then across the Mediterranean sea landing in Italy. Uh, he came to France last year to join his brother, to get there from Mali, he would likely have to have traveled a perilous migrant route through Burkina Faso into Niger and across the desert into Libya. He said he spent a difficult year in Libya where he was arrested and beaten. Uh, that this guy who still like cares about the rest of humanity to see a child dangling was like, my problem. I'm going to go handle this. You know what I mean? Like just and yeah. scale the building, like the, just insane uh, and an amazing human being uh, to be so selfless and risk his own injury uh, to go save this, uh, this child. So very good on him and very good on France for go- recognizing that and going, all right, pretty solid dude, man. Come here. What can we Definitely. do for you? Tom's favorite. 
this is a really great story because, you know, Memorial Day, we want to honor the ones who have served, honor, obviously, the ones who have fallen. Um, but it's easy to just say that and get drunk or run a 5K or, you know, do whatever you're going to do and just move on with it. Yeah, flooring, whatever it is, and just say, like, hey, it's an extra day where I don't have to go to work. It's also another thing to, like, hey, we're really going to help the ones who have served. And the University of Memphis will now not charge tuition to children or spouses of fallen service members. The university will be the first in the country to accept the Folds of Honor Scholarship as payment in full. So good on University of Memphis to, you know, uh, take upon themselves what they see as, you know, something that is needed, obviously higher education with jobs that are, you know, almost demanding that. Um, and they know the burden of cost saying we are going to honor the service member who have fallen and their family, because obviously, you know, losing a loved one is a traumatic experience. And so University of Memphis says, you know what, come here, get your education on us. And so I think that's really great. That is really amazing. And yeah, I mean, can if- I couldn't even imagine, I mean, you know, to, to deal with such a loss like that. And then, yeah, having to move on from that and coordinate your daily lives and something as hard to coordinate as getting your education is for anybody who, you know what I mean? Who hasn't been to college or just, you know, if, if you kind of forgotten, it's not just, Oh, I'm going to go to these classes. I'm going to show up. I mean, there is so much to handle from an administrative paperwork, Oh yeah, uh, regular reoccurring coordination standpoint that it's mind-boggling to go through as the person getting the education. So, uh, amazing thing that they're doing for uh, you know families of fallen soldiers. Tim and Tom. All right, man, what a fun show we had. C dot Carrington Harrison, six ten sports on here to talk about battle raps, NBA finals. Uh, random questions, right? We got that, you know, nobody likes KU. That was my favorite part. (laughs) Uh, You know, some vindication. Uh, You know, so we got all that in. We talked about, you know, our great governors. Roseanne. Roseanne. Crichton. Yeah. Oh, man. Fun stuff. So we'll just leave it at that for now. We'll come back next week and and have some more fun. I think the lesson learned this week is uh, don't have a burner Twitter account. Yeah. Just own up. Own up. Well, just no don't burner have your own. Just no yeah. Twitter account. Or just don't have your own. If you're a bad person, just don't have your own either. Just to follow us. There you go. Right. All right. Fun fact, Ronald Reagan was a lifeguard during high school and is credited for saving 77 lives. One day, I promise it's gonna pay off. So set in my way, swear I may never take a day off. Uh uh-uh. no way they taking shots, man. They off, way off. Treat every game like it's the playoffs, right? All work, no play. Man, I may never take a day off. Tim and Tom.